I'm Kathleen Durkin of Columbia's Zuckerman Institute. And I'm Devin Powell of the Zuckerman Institute. Welcome to Lab in the Time of Coronavirus. This podcast follows the lives of brain scientists who are pivoting to combat COVID-19 in this time of crisis. So it's been a little over a year since we started this podcast, and we thought we'd start today by thinking back to last March, which, if you may remember, was a bit of a confusing time. The World Health Organization, WHO, had declared COVID-19 a pandemic. I remember people were sanitizing their deliveries and their grocery bags. We were told not to wear masks, and then we were told to wear masks. And research institutes across the world were trying to figure out, what do we do in the middle of all this chaos? You come back off the holidays, things you know start to get a little bit busier mid-January, and, and February is typically a super busy month. And, you know, all of a sudden, the world stopped. <laughs> so that's Jennifer Ferris. She's the chief operating officer at the Zuckerman Institute. And she quickly realized that her job needed to change in these suddenly strange circumstances we found ourselves in. The first week, we had to kind of get our act together pretty quickly. You know, I have a background in operations, right? So I was fully knowledgeable about what to do in the case of an emergency. And one of the first things you do is you manage your communication channel. And my job at that point became sort of chief communicator. So the conversation started with the safety of people at the Institute. We just collectively said, look, we we need to protect our people and we need to also protect their sense of safety. We need to give them some sense of control over their lives and level with them. And even though nobody around us was saying it, we went ahead and had an all-employee meeting, you all probably remember, and we told everybody, you are likely not going to come back for a long time. Um, I just remember it got real quiet. (laughs) And then after the meeting, I just got a flood of thank yous, you know, people saying, now I can move forward. Now I can do something. I can make a plan. And what about the hundreds of scientists and the other research workers who are conducting experiments and trying to keep the facilities running? Well, the Institute tried to work out who had to be in the building to prevent years of research and hard work from disappearing. We had done these sort of you know, these analyses that, that was like, well, you know, we could bring 20% of people back, we could do this. And it was all based on the r not number, right? Because all of a sudden, we're all experts now on, on that. And so um, one night, we worked overnight to pull together a spreadsheet of all of the important essential people that needed to be in the building. One of the first challenges they faced in those early days was getting masks to protect those essential personnel. Kudos to our team. We had some boxes and some shipments coming in that when others couldn't. And so we, as a result, were able to actually donate quite a bit. We were also able to save what we needed for the work that needed to get done in our building. Um, But I do remember there was this one, I mean, it was chaos, but there was this one woman who reached out to us. I don't even know how she got our information. But she was the head of a a nursing home in the neighborhood. And she was pleading for masks. And so literally we, you know, Barbara Hahn and our operations team, she packaged up some stuff, put it in a box, called the lady. She came out to the door. We put it outside the door, you know, because no contact, right? And she came and her husband came and picked it up 
and we got a nice little note from her that we had provided them with, you know, PPE that they were so desperate for. Early on, the team realized that testing would be an important part of being able to reopen. In order to bring people back into the building safely, we needed to be able to test and to monitor the cases. We needed to figure something out and we needed to do it quickly. And so we started really you know, kind of a boots on the ground effort to figure out who else is testing, who else has connections that we could partner with. That's Jen Adams. She had been hired only a few weeks before the pandemic hit to serve as Zuckerman's Senior Director of Administrative Services. Now she found herself leading the effort to bring coronavirus testing to the Institute. My background is hospitality operations. So coming in and then having a pandemic hit, I I first felt like I didn't know, you know, what is serology? What is COVID-19? What is, what does quarantine mean? I had no idea. And I spent a lot of time reading and trying to learn and understand. And I just, I think we all were just on adrenaline and we knew that we were making a difference by helping further this critical research. Jen started making calls. We reached out to the state of New York. We reached out to Bloomberg. At the time, there were all sorts of collaborations that were happening in terms of, you know, getting this testing program in the state going. And we were connected with a startup out of San Francisco that was partnering at the time with the New York Genome Center for a testing program. And we were on the phone with this group. I can't even begin to tell you how many hours, but we basically plotted out how we would be able to start a testing program. And we went through all of the steps of, okay, if, how are we going to monitor this? How, how often will we test? Is it a swab? Is it a, you know, a spit test? Is it, what's the process of getting it to the lab? We mapped out everything. The late nights that we spent on the phones talking through all sorts of different scenarios Now, looking back, I mean, first of all, I'm so much closer with all of my colleagues as a result of it. I have met so many people throughout the university as a result that I've never even met in person. You know, we all felt like this one small little thing could actually be really impactful and it's making a difference. So this nimble team ended up sharing what they had learned. Director Rui Costa chaired efforts to bring testing to Columbia as the university ramped up. As the months dragged on, Other issues emerged. Schools shut down, family members became sick, and it was clear that the caregiver obligations at home placed a greater burden on the women than the men of the Zuckerman Institute. Rui and the team started thinking about the support that members of the community needed. And for Rui, one of the biggest challenges over the last year has been helping people to stay mentally healthy. Science is done with our brains. And to me, the most scary thing after the deaths and COVID-19 was mental health issues. People were alone. I struggled many times with anxiety, depression. I didn't even know. My mentor died with COVID-19 and um, she she realized she was going to die. She had dialysis and she said, Rui, it's going to hit here. She was an immunologist. And then she wrote... Uh, a poem that I then shared with the lab and the world about her knowledge of what was about to come. And so that was very 
powerful. Most conversations that I had about the Institute, you know, even besides policies and stuff was, are you okay? Are you okay back? And these affected everyone uh, beyond anything I've seen. And it affected people of all ages at all stages of their scientific career. The pandemic didn't affect everyone the same way. We don't realize how different the realities are for different groups. The people that work every day, from the people that clean our building to take care of our animals, some of them are contractors and they have a certain amount of leave. They were afraid of getting sick and or getting a fever, not because they were afraid of getting the disease, but they were afraid of getting without pay. They were like, Rui, if, if we go home and we have two weeks of leave, if I have to stay longer, then I can't survive. So we changed some of those contractors to be permanent workers. The new reality exposed underlying issues that predated COVID-19. Inequities and lack of inclusion that we hadn't realized and we, we led us to correct it. And so one of the early conversations was how could we help women that have families or, you know, in, in some cases, men that have uh, families and kids, but also dependent care, elderly people or people with other um, problems, health problems needed to be taken care of. And some people are the primary caregivers uh, in their family. And so we had a strong discussion at the university level, but we decided that some people needed help on daycare. Some people wanted to bring kids closer to work. It was hard to find a solution that would fit everyone. The Institute gave financial assistance to those with children. And that had, I think, a big positive impact, at least psychologically and sociologically, people felt they matter. I, we're, we're not naive in thinking it resolved the problems. It didn't. It just put a little weight on the other side of the scale. But it also revealed, like I mentioned, a long-standing bias. On top of this, we had a realization of the tremendous inequalities and biases and racism in our society. This all relates to the same thing. It's about being better as humans, organizing ourselves better, being more equal, less biased. We're now working towards uh, more stable policies that would try to resolve those issues throughout the uh, long term. It's been a tough year for everyone, but there are some positives. Rui noted the pressure for science to become more open and accessible. We saw great examples on the research related to COVID. Certainly it put pressure. What about people dealing with Alzheimer's or Parkinson's? Those brain disorders affect more people than COVID. Why aren't we doing this? Most, the very vast majority of our research is publicly funded. So the public has the right to know the results. Rui, you said you were going to test hypothesis A. We gave you the money. What are the results of the test of hypothesis A? It's less okay by society to not share. In another positive, Jenna Adams sees a new hybrid model for the Research Institute that allows people to work 
in different ways. I really want to come back from this pandemic on a greater scale. I think in many ways, this is such an opportunity for us, whether it's technology or whether it's just thinking outside of the box of how we use our space or you know, what our collaborations look like in a new world. I think that's really kind of at the forefront of my mind now. Um, just living in Manhattan alone is poses a challenge for a lot of people. And the fact that now people can have a more flexible schedule can focus on their lives and what works for them and yet still maintain their jobs and maintain um, the connection with their colleagues in, you know, with the click of a button, I think is really amazing. And for Jennifer Ferris, seeing the way the Zuckerman community has come together has been inspirational. You know, there are people that when there's an emergency or there's a disaster, they run away or they run towards our administrative group ran towards what was going on. And that was pretty cool. Those first few weeks, you know, we're over here trying to like figure out what we're going to do and, you know, you know, what, how are we going to schedule people? Who's essential, you know, uh, all that stuff. And in the meantime, literally every day I would get 10, 15, 20 emails from people in various labs pleading for me to please give them something to do, like some job that they could do to help. People showed up. Thanks for listening to Lab in the Time of Coronavirus. Take a look at the show notes for links to all the things we discussed. You can find all of our episodes at zuckermaninstitute.columbia.edu or on iTunes. Take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes. That makes it easier for other people to find us. And special thanks to Rui Costa, Jennifer Ferris, and Jen Adams for sitting down with us for this episode, and to the entire Zuckerman team. The music today was provided by Miguel Zanon, jazz artist-in-residence at the Zuckerman Institute. If you have any thoughts, if you have any questions, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Zuckerman Brain. But before we go, Kathleen, I think you had one last question for the people we interviewed. What is the first thing you plan to do post-pandemic. Here's Jennifer Ferris. I am going to take a scuba diving trip. Here's Jen Adams. Jump on an airplane and travel everywhere. <laughs> and finally, Rui Costa. Hug my parents, probably. <laughs> <laughs>